Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Good morning. You know, I love what God is doing here in this ministry. I love Kevin Weatherby. Kevin and I have been friends for quite a number of years now. And um, one, of my, one of my dreams, actually, along the way, as I got better acquainted with Kevin uh, and what Save the Cowboy does and the Long X Ranch uh, ministry does, I just thought, wouldn't it be something if the, there would be a way uh, to partner with Kevin? And uh, I, I never... I never knew how in the world that was going to happen. Uh, I, at the time, lived in Alabama, and then later, of course, uh, moved to Texas. And uh, through the years, we stayed in touch, and I watched it happen from a distance. Uh, and, I, and it just kept coming back to me. Gosh, wouldn't it be something if, if God would do that? And for me, this is like God's answer to something I prayed for for a long time, Kevin, and uh, a, a, a true dream come true, and I just praise the Lord for it. It's a good thing. Uh, I, I, I'm doing well this weekend. How are you doing? I, you know, we've just had a blast. We had so much fun last night, uh, and to see all that and enjoy it and, and to be with everybody was great, but I'm aware, though, that not everybody's doing great, are they? Uh, they aren't. Uh, there are people that are really discouraged, uh, people that are really sad. Uh, I stood in line the other, the other night in Weatherford, Texas. We were having the uh, Park County Posse's meeting, and we're having supper, right? We do that every week, and uh, I mean, every month. And I was standing in line with a fellow, an older man, and uh, I asked him how he was doing. And he said, uh, well, I just sold the last of my cattle. He said, I've been in the cattle business my whole life. I've always found a way to make it work. And he said, but last year was so dry. And this year, again, and he said, in a year, all I've done is feed cattle, and I just can't do it anymore. What would you say if you heard an old man say that to you? It was hard to hear, let me tell you. And you could hear the hopelessness in his voice. And folks, there's a lot of people out there that are just a court low on hope. They're discouraged. Life's getting to them, full of heartbreak. You know, I was depressed in Waco, Texas. I know it's hard to believe, but I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, was, so, I was so bummed out with life. I mean, bummed out and so low and just was, um, my life was just not doing very well. This was some years ago. And so I went to pick up my mail at the post office, and I opened a letter. That was back when people wrote letters to each other. You can tell the children what a letter is. But anyway, I had this letter, and it was from my uncle. My uncle was a Baptist preacher. He's in heaven now, Uncle Roy. He's my dad's brother. My dad was a cattleman, but my uncle was a preacher. He's a Baptist preacher. So when I saw the letter, I wasn't particularly excited. <laughs> Because I thought, oh no, what is Uncle Roy going to tell me? Because he knew, you know, how far away I was from the Lord. 
But I opened this letter. I was sitting in my pickup, and I took off my cowboy hat, set it down, and I opened this letter. And Uncle Roy said, you've zigged and zagged a lot in your young life. And I thought, oh, brother, here it comes. But he said, God has made an investment in you. And he said, he's calling it to account now. And he said, the great sin in life is not so much in falling down, but in not getting back up. Or staying down so long, you swear down is up. And he said, the woods are full of those kind of fools in church and out. So son, get up. I just sat there and cried. (laughs) Because he gave me exactly what I needed at that low moment. What did I need? I needed some hope. Because I didn't have any, you see. Hope is about expectation. A couple of scriptures about that. Here's one of my favorites in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew is actually quoting from the ancient prophet Isaiah about the Messiah. And he's, he's talking about Jesus who has been healing everybody. And the religious leaders are after Jesus and plotting to kill him. And Jesus, aware of this, starting in uh, Matthew 12, verse 15, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him, and he healed all their sick, warning them not to tell who he was. Well, he didn't want everybody to know right then. It wasn't time. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I've chosen, the one I love, and whom I delight. This is Isaiah now. Matthew quoting Isaiah about the Messiah, right? About Jesus. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. Listen to this. This is my favorite part. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Do you know what that means? You know what a reed is? That's a stalk, isn't it? That's, that's ryegrass. No, I don't know what kind. <laughs> I passed some really nice-looking alfalfa. Well, it's beautiful up here. It really is. But, but a bruised reed is talking about a stalk of grass. That's what it's talking about. A reed that grows up, and it's kind of flimsy. And this reed that he talks about is bruised, so it's not doing so good, right? And he said he won't break it. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever felt like a bruised reed? I have. It's, my faith has been as flimsy as a, as a piece of grass that somebody walked over. Do you hear me? But he won't, he won't break that reed. In a smoldering wick, he won't snuff out. That's the candle that's about to go out, but what, what does he do? He doesn't snuff it out, does he? He blows on it and makes the flame bigger. He leads justice to victory in his name. The nations will put their hope. The nations will put their hope in him. What's that all about? That's about hope, isn't it? Paul talked about it in Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good stuff right there. Wouldn't it be something if no matter what bothered or burdened you today, when you left here, you were overflowing with hope? Because God met with you, right? God helped you. 
And you're a little bruised reed and doing so good, but he doesn't break the reed. He strengthens it, right? He makes it stronger. And he doesn't put out the candle, does he? No, he, he, makes, it, he makes the flame burn brighter. Wow. Wouldn't it be something if you were filled to overflowing with hope? I want to tell you something. If you do, if you are filled with hope, people will know it. They can tell, can't they? You know, there's some people I just don't want to ask them how they're doing. You know why? Because they tell me. They'll, t- they'll actually tell me how they're doing. And that makes me feel worse than I already do. Have you ever been to church and they made you feel worse than you already did? Can I just tell you, I don't want to be the tour guide for your next guilt trip, okay? <laughs> I just like to strengthen your hope. I want to talk about the God of hope. One more scripture. The author of Hebrews said, Let us hold unswervingly. I love that word, don't you? Unswervingly. You know what I think about? I have to stop. Wait a minute. Time out. See, we drove up here. (laughs) A lot of times when I'm driving along, Stacy closes her eyes. I said, honey, are you you praying? No, I can't look. It's because sometimes, for whatever reason, I swerve. (laughs) I do. I'll admit it. Okay, I swerve a little. Okay, so it says, I understand swerving. Let us hold unswervingly. Focus. Focus on what? To the hope that we profess. We profess it. We say we expect something that the world doesn't expect. We have a different expectation. We don't feel the same way. Bad stuff happens to us too. We don't give up. Why? We have hope. God sets our hope on fire. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds and don't give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing, let's encourage one another. And even more as we see the day approaching. It's important that we encourage each other, that we give each other hope. We serve a God of hope. Sometimes hope is not so sure. We hope something will happen. We're not sure it will happen. But every great thing that God ever does in your life starts with a spark of hope. It could change. It may. I don't know when it will. But hope, if fed, turns to full-blown faith, and faith turns to action, and action brings results without hope. Nothing happens. We remain hopeless. Where does the hope come from? Here's a few ideas about that. Hope first comes from God's Word, Romans 15, 4. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Where does hope come from? From this. Right? It says it comes from the Scriptures. We have this to give us hope. So, so I, I was one of those that they, they dragged off to church every time the door opened. Okay? And I will say I'm thankful for that. Not everything about it was positive. It was kind of a mixed bag. Okay? But I will tell you this. My mother loved Jesus. She did. She loved the Lord. My dad was a good guy. But, you know, my mom really loved Jesus. Now, Dad had a great experience later in his life before he went to heaven. But Mama loved Jesus, right? 
And every morning, we live way out in the country, and every morning right after breakfast, she would sit us down, me and my brother and my sister, and she would read us a Bible story. And I can't remember when I didn't know the stories. I just know them, right? I just was, they were just sown like seeds into me. This scripture in Romans 15, 4 says, we get hope from the scriptures, from knowing the scriptures, from the testimony of the scriptures, from the testimony of what God did yesterday. That's what that's about. You see, it's because of mom telling me those stories, reading me those stories, Sunday school teachers, preachers preaching it, and ultimately leading me to read it, right, to read it myself. That's how I know about people like, I don't know, Moses. You know, I wouldn't know about Moses otherwise, would I? No, I wouldn't know about him, but now I do. And see, see, Moses was raised up during a hopeless time when Israel was in slavery. No hope. Generations of them were in Egypt. And Moses had ideas about leading them out that didn't work. And he was reactionary and angry and even killed a guy and had to spend 40 years out in, you know, the wilderness. <laughs> and some of us have been out there too, and we know how that is. Out there between Goat Gap and Goaty Bow. I'm telling you, Moses was out there, all right? And when God finally appeared to him in a burning bush, right, and spoke to him and said, you're the one, I'm raising you up. He, he didn't think he could do it. He argued with God. He had all these excuses, right? But see, God had to speak hope to Moses so that Moses could then lead the people out of Egypt, which is exactly what God wanted and what God did, right? That gives me hope, man, when I'm in the wilderness. I know that because it's in the Bible, right? I know about people like Gideon who was hiding in a hole when the angel said, Hey, almighty warrior, the Lord is with you. The terrorists were the Midianites in those days. They had overrun the land. The land was weakened by idolatry. And one little guy, Gideon, from an un, a weak tribe and a weak family, and he's threshing wheat in a wine press so the Midianites won't see it. He's in a hole. And the angel of the Lord says, Hey, almighty warrior, What? What? That's, that's hopeful, isn't it? Do you know what Gideon said? He said, if I'm a mighty warrior, where are the miracles that we've heard about? And you know what? God didn't answer that question. He could have cleared up a lot of things theologically by, by, by doing that, right? But he didn't. You know what he said? You save Israel. Just get up and go. You save. Go in the strength that I'll give you. Man, that's hope. And that's exactly what he did. That's amazing stuff, isn't it? Man, if you're in a hole today, you need to hear that, don't you? There's something, it's not too late. You may not even know who you are. You may not even know that you're a warrior, but you are. Why? Not because somebody else says it, but because God does. I wouldn't know about the woman at the well. I wouldn't know about her. You ought to go back and read that. Read that story. Take off your religious glasses and read it. The old girl was pretty rough. And she was sarcastic. <laughs> and she was argumentative. She reminds you of your ex-wife. I'm telling you, this, this is, she was a witch. Jesus said, if you knew who you're talking to, you'd ask me for water. 
<laughs> you know? But he gave this old gal hope so much that she ran and told the village, I've met a man that told me everything about myself. Could he be the Messiah? I wouldn't know about that. I wouldn't know about the one they caught in adultery. How did they catch her? I don't even know. I don't want to know that, right? It's not in there. But they caught a woman in adultery and brought her to Jesus and said, the law says, Stoner, what do you say? Man, that, that's, that's getting put on the spot right there. And that's where Jesus said, He that is without sin cast the first stone. And they all turned away. And He said to the woman after they all left, Where are your accusers? Do none condemn you? None condemn me. I don't either. I don't condemn you. Man, that's hope, isn't it? Go and sin no more. That's hope too. That That wasn't judging, was it? She knew she needed to change. She knew that, right? But the guilt and the shame had driven her down into a pit of despair. God says, come out of the hole. Come out of the despair. Let me give you a life that you have only yet dreamed of. He's a great God of hope. He's a hope giver. And you find that in the Scripture. Here's another place you get it, from God's Spirit. Peter wrote, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and His great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul wrote in Colossians 1.27, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit gives me hope. Peter talked about the new birth into a living hope. How do you get born again? The Holy Spirit, who has always been with you. Always. You understand that, right? Since conception, God has been with you. But when you surrender to Jesus, the Holy Spirit who has always been with you comes to live inside you. And Paul said, Christ in you is the hope of glory. My hope comes from the presence of God in me. Now, sometimes we really feel the presence of God, right? Really feel it. And sometimes when we're really discouraged, we don't feel it. But here's the truth. He's always there. He's always been there. And as a believer, he's always in you wanting to fill you. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, which is not just one experience. I love mountaintop experiences. I want another one. Right? Which one do you want? The next one. I mean it. I I want the next. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? And I don't want that. You know, I I wish that Kevin and I and Ty and all of us could just say, okay, this is how it's going to work. You know all the mess you're going through? All you got to do is just come down here afterwards. We're going to lay hands on you and pray for you. And you're going to be filled with the Spirit and God's going to fix you. I wish. But see, that's not going to happen. It's not going to work like that. So the Holy Spirit that lives in me wants to fill me on a daily basis, right? And there are going to be those high moments along the way. And I thank God for every one of them. But see, here's what really counts when you get in the low moment. <laughs> when you're going through what they call the valley. When you're not getting the answers that you want from God. When things happen that surprise you and you don't know what to do about it and you're heartbroken and turned inside out and you can't feel God with you. He's there and he's inside closer than the air we breathe. And when he fills you, he fills your heart with a new expectation. That's what I need, don't you? But see, that's why everywhere you go is church. 
Because everywhere we go, the Holy Spirit is in us, right? We, we, we are inhabited by the Lord. Our bodies are his temple, and he wants to live the life of Jesus through us. And when he does, look, when he lives through us, we can be hope givers to the people who need it the most. Hope from God's word and from God's spirit. Here's the third one. Get hope from God's plan. God has a plan. You know, when I first got saved, so I got saved when I was a teenager, right? And I'd been in church my whole life. And I had the most boring pastor that anybody could ever have. You had to, he went to school to learn to be that boring. There's no way he could have been naturally... No way could have naturally been that boring. It was terrible. And that's how I learned how to pray was, God, when will this ever be over? But anyway, <laughs> so, but, but they, they had these meetings and these revival meetings, they called them, and, and they'd bring in these preachers. And these preachers, buddy, you couldn't sleep in their deal because they preached a very hot hell, okay? And, and basically what they would do is they would start out with something like, are you sure you're saved, right? That's good. And they said, well, are you sure? And this is how I felt. I pretty much. I was pretty sure, right? Because I prayed the prayer, I walked out, I've been baptized, been there every time the door opened. I mean, I hadn't had time to sin much. I was still pretty young. <laughs> so, yeah, answer's yes. Then he started preaching on hell stuff and, and how long it's going to last and how bad it was going to be. And they just pretty much hang you by a real thin thread and dang it over the fire and, you know, send you behind a time or two. And then they'd say, are you sure? Well, I was. <laughs> until you, until you, you know, you talked me out of it, right? I mean, it's like, and then, so every time they ever gave me a chance to, you know, make a promise or be sure about it, I was the one, I was in, sign me up. Who wants to go to hell? I mean, I, give me fire insurance, please. So please don't go out of here and tell people I don't believe in hell. I do. I believe everything Jesus said about it, right? Everything the Bible says about hell, I believe it, okay? But, but see, somehow in that message, that threat, I missed that when Jesus died for me, it wasn't just to save me from hell. It was because he loved me. I, they probably said it, but I missed it. It went over my head. And then when I was 17 years old, I realized he loved me. And I gave my life to Jesus. And he made me sure about the hell issue. Do you understand? He made me sure. I never felt threatened again. Even when I made mistakes. But when I first got saved, they told us we ought to tell people about Jesus. And I didn't know how to do that. But they had this little brochure. It's called the Four Spiritual Laws. Right? Some of you could laugh and you saw this. And the first, and you could just read it to people if you could make them sit there. And, and I didn't care. And the first law was God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And you know what? It's still true. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And you know what I used to think about that? I used to think I don't, I, he had a plan and I blew it. Like the plan that Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you what? A hope <laughs> and a future. Listen to this one. I love this one. From Lamentations, no less. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So I thought plan A 
God gave me plan A. He loves me. Here's plan A. And Brad, being an idiot, blew it. I blew plan A. I really did. And I thought, well, now that I've blown plan A, can't have plan A, but God's a good God and He'll forgive me. And I'm going to do the best I can with plan B. Then I screwed up plan B. And so it got pretty far down the alphabet, folks. I just want to tell you, I, I, everything I ever learned, I learned the hard way. I ran into so many walls going full speed. I can't tell you how many cars I wrecked. I can't tell you how much whiskey I drank. I can't tell, I tried to drink it all. I mean, I, you know, the deal is, I can't tell you how far off track I got. And I ended up thinking, God may forgive me, but what plan is left for me? Z? <laughs> but this is what I learned, and I'm still learning it. And this will give you hope. It gave me hope. There's only one plan. It's plan A. It's got a lot of variations. <laughs> and so God has His will, and we're like this, right? But the beauty of it is, no matter what happens, He uses it to glorify Himself and for our good. That's plan A, honey. And so, hey, did I get off track? Yes. Was it God's will? No. But he brought me back, and, and my life became his plan for me. <laughs> Isn't that great? Can't you, can't you get excited about something like that? See, that gives me hope that God's not through with me. And he's not through with you either. You know how I know that? I don't know you. You say, well, you don't know me, Brad. You don't know what I've done. No, but I know this. Your heart's still beating, or at least it looks like it is. You look like you're still sucking wind back there. <laughs> and as long as there's heartbeat, there's hope. It's not over. He says it's over. And some of us who started strong and went off track are going to finish strong. Do you hear me? Here's the last one. Hope not only comes from God's Word, God's Spirit, and God's plan, but comes from God's future. God has a future. One of the places it's talked about is in Titus 2. It talks about the grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for what? The blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, we don't even grieve the same way as other people. Because we know when somebody dies that loves the Lord, they are absent from the body but present with the Lord. That's hope. And we don't believe that history is off course. Can I just tell you something? There's a lot wrong with this world and we all know it. Don't we? And there are Christians, that's all they talk about though. With what's wrong. They're constantly cursing the darkness. You know these people, right? But see, what God says is, I'm in control of this thing. And it's going to get dark. There's no doubt about it. And the lines are going to be drawn. And it means what it means. But ultimately, Jesus is Lord. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. God's glory will be manifested. The freedom of the sons of God, everyone will see. And it is not over until God ends it and says He will set up His kingdom. That's something to look forward to. That's what the Scriptures call the blessed hope. You know, as I was finishing this message, the Lord gave me 
a little poem, and I want to finish with this. this. And I hope it'll be a blessing to you. But this is called Hope Giver. When the ancient prophet said it, he described him just this way. Said he wouldn't break the weakest reed. That's what he had to say. And some of us with flimsy faith and bruised beyond repair wondered if we mattered or if even God would care. And what we found, it gave us hope. Because there to make us strong was one who saw how weak we were in sins that made us wrong, and yet he looked and loved us. Saw the candle burning low, but never did snuff out the wick, but heated up our glow. Of what would have been ashes with nothing left at all, but he said, I still want you. We clearly heard that call. They say that if forgiveness comes to him who sinned a lot, the love they have is stronger for all the grace they got. They say the one whose soul is sick, when he comes to heal, they're not ashamed to let it show because of how they feel. An old bruised reed without a hope, a flame that's about to go. He came for those without a doubt. Just ask me how I know. Amen. 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 God bless.